0: Hi, this is Dan Sullivan, and I'm here with my partner in Exponentials, Peter Diamandis. And Peter, Exponentials are happening by the week. By the minute. (laughs) 2020 is really a watershed year, I think. I've been alive since 1944. I was born about two weeks before the invasion of Normandy, about two months before the Bretton Woods Agreement, which basically structured the global society since 1945. And I have to tell you, I've never experienced a period, a very short period in my life that seems so consequential to me as what we've been going through since the beginning of the pandemic, the lockdown and everything that's gone along with that. But there's one area that I would like to talk to because I've had firsthand experience, And that is the disruption and transformation of the medical system for everyday people.
1: Yeah. I spend, as you know, most of my time, not as a patient, but as an entrepreneur, thinking about that system and following that system and pissed off about that system. And everybody, I think, can relate to this, that we don't actually have health care. We have sick care. The system takes care of you after you're sick.
0: I call it a disease management system. Yeah, So here's the
1: reality. Our bodies were never evolved to live past age 30. We were evolved for the purpose of passing on our genes and then that's it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 100,000 years ago, you'd go into puberty at age 13, 14, you'd have a baby a year later. And ultimately what would occur is by the time you were 28, 29, your baby was having a baby And before food was abundant, when food was scarce, you didn't want to take food out of your grandchildren's mouth, otherwise they wouldn't survive and you wouldn't pass on your genes. So we would not live that long. Our bodies basically dysregulate. Our immune system gets weaker, we develop cancers, and we grow old and we age. So... A lot of medicine is how do we re-regulate? How do we bring back to normalcy? How do we catch things early and prevent them from happening? And interestingly enough, most people don't realize the human body is constantly developing cancers. It's just our immune system finds them and knocks them out And only when your immune system gets so weak, gets overloaded that it can't do that. And many people start developing heart disease, atherosclerosis in their 20s and 30s. And only when it gets to a bad enough point that you have a heart attack. So medicine needs to be transformed from retrospective, reactive, to prospective and personalized and predictive. And this is now finally possible given genome sciences, synthetic biology, sensors, AI, and soon quantum
0: computing. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because one of the fastest growing industries in strategic coach. And it's been probably in the last 10 years, I would say, has been entrepreneurial medicine. 50, 60, 70 different experiments with some aspect of the medical system where they found an inefficiency in the marketplace and they've created a shortcut. And it could be a shortcut in medicine, it could be a shortcut in delivery, it could be a shortcut in care. And a shortcut in just being in touch with people so that things are caught early. So, I've really been looking at this. As a matter of fact, in my Free Zone program, which is my third program, just started two years ago, is that it's the biggest critical mass right in the middle of about 50 entrepreneurs is some relationship to a transformed healthcare system. One of the things I noticed is because I operate. Chicago's US headquarters, Toronto is Canadian. It's actually our whole company operates out of Toronto and then we have London and then we have Los Angeles and we have Chicago. But I'm in touch with my own healthcare, which mostly comes out of Northwestern University Hospital in Chicago and I have specialists, I have dermatologists there, I have an internist there, I have a urologist because I went through prostate cancer four years ago, and a great urologist. He's the head of the department there, a terrific doctor. So I had checkups, I had checkups within the last five months. And in every case, I was talking to them from their study at home. And I've never seen them so relaxed. I've never seen them so chatty. Hmm. I've never seen them so personal. Not because they're not personal people, but they're just constantly pushed by the inefficiencies of the system that they were in, and they were released from this. And I could just see their brain cells, you know, synapses are falling into place and saying, why would we ever have people come to our office again? Hmm.
1: That is true. And it's becoming more true for a number of other reasons. And that is the ability to have sensors in your home, sensors on your body, in your body that are monitoring everything all the time. And let me give you some examples that I think are fascinating. First one, I just heard about one of my Abundance 360 members, Sigita Reddy, who's the CEO of Apollo Hospitals in India, one of the largest hospital systems there. COVID-19 hit and, you know, basically filled every hospital room. And they're like, what do we do? And what they did, which was brilliant, and it's part of, you know, virtualizing or dematerializing hospitals is, of course the travel business had shut down. So all the hotels were empty. So they basically rented entire hotels. They put monitors and sensors into the rooms and they turned the hotel rooms into hospital rooms. And they put a doctor and a nurse on the first floor of every hotel. So now the hotel had patients being monitored in a doctor and a nurse. So that was an interesting innovation. Yeah. But where does this go? It turns out that and I think you know this, and most people listening should know this. Where's the most dangerous place to be if you're sick? Hospital. At the hospital, yeah. It is. nosocomial yeah, diseases. Well, and
0: this is from the AMA. This isn't you know a protest group or something in the healthcare. The AMA said that on average, over the last five years, hospital-acquired diseases have killed 220,000 people a year. Yeah. I mean, COVID hasn't killed... 220,000 people, you know, so so far. So yet, but I mean, we're talking about this like it's the Black Plague. And I said, well, that's just your (laughs) hospital experience.
1: (laughs) I hate to laugh about it, but it's pathetic. So here's the future, right? The future is when you're sick, you don't go to the hospital, you stay home. And the hospital comes to you. Mm -hmm. The sensors are there. You might wear them. They might be in your bed. They might be in your air filter. They might be in your future version of Alexa but they're monitoring you. So one of the entrepreneurs I love, we backed her with my venture fund, Bold Capital. She has spoken on the stage of A360. She'll be coming again. Her name is Mary Lou Jepsen. She's out of Facebook and Mm -hmm. Apple and Google. She's extraordinary. And what she has built is basically a means to use red laser light and also ultrasound to be able to image the body with the equivalent fidelity of a MRI but a thousand times cheaper in equipment, a thousand times smaller. And so that you could have this in your home. And if something is wrong, your shoulder is hurting you, you're worried about, do I have breast cancer or prostate cancer, whatever, the ability to image your body on demand. And so the doctor can say, hey, can you hold it up over here? Let me take a look, or rather the AI will do that. Mm-hmm. So if we can image you and measure everything from wherever you are, and then potentially give you the medicines or whatever you need remotely, I think we are going to digitize, dematerialize, and demonetize Mm -hmm. the practice Mm -hmm. of medicine massively.
0: Yeah, and I think that the other aspect of this, Peter, is what's going to happen to the importance of central cities. Because as you look at things right now, all the main hospital centers are right in the middle of major cities, New York, Chicago, L.A., and there are extraordinary difficulties. As a matter of fact, I've gone downtown Toronto every weekend since COVID started. And I went down early. So it was a couple of weeks in. We were still in March. And I go to a gourmet store to get some gourmet items. And I go to Whole Foods, where for the first time in my life, I used my senior status to get in early <laughs> at uh, I was looking at a poster, Peter, and I was looking, and they said, you know, from nine to 10, seniors only. And I said, isn't that nice? Oh, that's, that's really <laughs> nice. I'm waiting in line looking at the poster. And I said, isn't that nice? I said wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a senior. The <laughs> <So, laughs> first time, you know, I'm 76, and it's the first time I've ever used my senior status. Uh,
1: only by virtue of what's on your driver's license. How old do you feel? What, what If you close your eyes, what's your age for yourself?
0: I feel the energy of early 50s, you know, when I wow. was, but yeah. really, yeah. I've really been adding muscle, lots and lots of muscle during the COVID, because muscle is a real steady investment
1: Muscle is one of the most important attributes for longevity, maintaining your muscle mass, your stem cell populations, and also the ability to prevent falls, which are the spirals for most people.
0: Yeah. So, um, But I just want to say this. So I was on the streets downtown. You know the area, Yorkville. It's sort of the fashion district of Toronto. Yeah, it's beautiful. And there was nothing happening. It was a ghost town. And I looked up and the sky was bright blue. And I said, you know, the two biggest problems that Toronto has been talking about is traffic congestion and pollution. Air pollution. And I said, I wonder if it's the case that you really can't come up with a solution to the problem until you've actually experienced the solution. And this is what Toronto feels like when you've solved the congestion problem. Mm -hmm. And this is what Toronto feels like when you've solved the pollution problem. I said, I wonder what kind of impact actually seeing what it looks like when you've solved the problem is going to have on speeding up the solution. Yeah. Well, we're seeing it at
1: the beginning in medicine now. Yeah. We're going to see the ability for remote testing, do I have COVID-19 or do I have any other viral infection or what do I have? All of this kind of at-home testing is coming.
0: Well, Peter, I know you're under wraps right now because you're involved in a project, but can you tell me how fast things have speeded up going for a solution to COVID?
1: I'm actually doing a webinar on the company called COVAX. I can talk about it here. So I'm on the board of a company called Vaccinity. It's an amazing husband and wife, co-CEOs, my closest friends in the world, Lou Reese may Mayhew, and, and they've been utilizing what's called a synthetic peptide vaccine. We got a call in early March saying, Peter, you know, we can use our technology to create a vaccine for coronavirus, for COVID-19. And I said, great, let's stand it up. And this is what entrepreneurs do, right? You see an opportunity, you see a capability. And so we went from a conversation to raising a seed round of about $16 million. And then we ended up raising another $25 million. But we went in the first two months from nothing using the platform to developing 30 vaccines, and our lead candidate vaccine looks to be the single most powerful vaccine available. Now, people haven't heard about it. We're a couple months behind. We don't have the brand of, you know, an AstraZeneca or a J&J or whoever it might be. But if you look at the elements required for a vaccine to be effective, number one, it has to be able to generate It's immunogenicity. It has to be able to generate antibodies in you. And we produce higher level antibodies than any other vaccine we've seen. Antibodies have to be neutralizing, meaning those antibodies have to actually stop the virus. And there's a neutralization titer. So Oxford, AstraZeneca, their neutralization titer is 40. Moderna, which is an mRNA, is between 500 to 1,000. Our neutralizing titer is 32,000. It's like orders of magnitude higher. It's crazy. It has to be manufacturable. The platform we use has manufactured 5 billion vaccines. It's got to be cheap. We're dollars a dose. It's got to be safe. This platform's been in humans. And the other important thing is this is a pandemic of older individuals, right? I mean, this really hits people who have a weakened immune system. And a lot of vaccines. Because as we grow older, our immune system doesn't work well. That's why we develop more cancers as we get older. A lot of vaccines don't actually really activate the immune system of of people over 70 or 80 years old. This particular platform does. So super psyched about it in that regard. So the speed at which we went from a phone call to we go into human trials this month. We're recording this in August. We went from... In mid-March, testing 30 vaccines, selecting one, putting it into production, and we're on schedule to produce 100 million doses in early 2021. I'm actually thinking about offering vaccinations at A360 in January. Uh-huh. People sign a waiver and get vaccinated with hopefully it will be the lead vaccine. will be through safety testing by then. So I think that will be a, a fun conversation. I'll see if I can pull that off. And then a billion doses by the end of 2021. So a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on one other fun thing so the same platform we actually have developed the ability to vaccinate to stop alzheimer's heart disease migraines muscle loss bone loss so this is interesting brand new technology mm-hmm. so i'll give you an example pal i have hypercholesteremia i genetically from my father have high cholesterol levels my ldl levels like 150 i went vegan to try and get it down i moved it a little bit The only thing that stopped it was a monoclonal antibody. It's called PCSK9 monoclonal antibody. It's made by Regeneron in New York. So you get these antibodies produced by this company in New York. And I take a shot every two weeks into my belly or my leg, and I inject myself with these antibodies. And these antibodies go to my liver and they block this PCSK9 enzyme. And my LDL levels go from like 150 down to 30. It's like magic, amazing. But guess what? Every two weeks I have to inject myself and it's $25,000 a year. Great. I can afford it, but a lot of people can't. Yeah. So what if instead of having this company manufacture the antibodies and these giant vats and you inject these five mls into you, what if you could vaccinate yourself and get your own immune system to generate antibodies against that target for $25 a year? Right. So we're talking about like a thousand times cheaper, Mm -hmm. a real demonetization and democratization to knock out stroke and heart disease. And that's the power that this platform of vaccinity, the other company is going to be called. But the same thing against Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, CGRP for migraines. So a lot of preventative medicine transformation coming our way.
0: Yeah. So you have two contesting forces, the disease management system and the actual prevention. disease prevention system. So it's almost like a war of titans here. The challenger against the all-time titan. But, you know, it's like the space shuttle costing $5 billion. Exactly. And here comes SpaceX. Yeah. You no, know I mean, there's a direct analogy between medicine and outer space. Yeah.
1: Our vision for vaccinity is how do we become the SpaceX, the Tesla, the Apple of the healthcare industry instead of being, you know, the sick care industry, which has been the case.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating time and this shifts everything. So one of the things I'd like to talk about is the educational system, because I've got some amazing stories to talk about because my clients are all entrepreneurs. We should definitely
1: save that for our next podcast, though, if that's okay.
0: You know what we're going to do? We're going to definitely save that for our next podcast. But uh, just a couple of things on the medical side to hit on
1: that I find interesting, worth mentioning, is going to be the whole impact of AI on this, Mm -hmm. right? Because one of the things that's interesting is AI is going to play a role in the design of new drugs just for you. So a drug that knows your genome and it knows your background and it is able to design a drug for N of one care. Mm -hmm. That's what it's called. I think that's going to be incredible. And also AI is monitoring it's interesting who's going to be the healthcare company of the future. I don't think it's going to be the traditional healthcare players. I think it is going to be Amazon and Google and Apple or something or, or something, something brand, new. brand new. Right. I mean Tim yeah. Cook the CEO of Apple said 20 years from now Apple's going to be known as a company whose biggest impact was in healthcare. Yeah. That's their vision. Yeah. Amazon, you know, I have a lot of friends in the Amazon care system. Amazon is moving very quickly into healthcare. Mm -hmm. I think Alexa is going to play a critical role there. You know, Alexa can listen to your voice and start to tell if something is off a little bit or listen to your footsteps. And if you're shuffling, are you developing Parkinson's? Or if your voice is trembling a little bit, what's going on? Or the sound of your cough could start to tell Alexa something. So, a lot of data being gathered there.
0: Or to you have conservative tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. No. Yeah, it's a complex business. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's going to be interesting. One of the things that I've been working on with Tony Robbins and a few other friends is we're standing up a company called Fountain Life. It'll be launched in the next few months. The idea here is there should be one place you can go. That has the cutting edge for regenerative medicine, for medicine for recovery from injury, medicine for longevity, like your diet, your sensors, everything. And so the goal has been one place stop that is your fiduciary for your health, that the best in class across all of these things. So been working on that with Fountain Life, amazing team out of landmark hospitals down in Naples, Bill Cap. actually I need to get Bill to join strategic coach. He'd be a great coach member. So I'll recruit him to coach Good. and Todd McAllister. So a lot of amazing individuals here, but I think we're gonna to start to see a lot of capital go into this because as the world becomes wealthier and people desire to adopt a longevity mindset, a lot of it is mindset, as you well know, to start to look for what is the best approach for me to live longest. They're going to want these kind of capabilities. So I think that is coming our way pretty quickly.
0: Well, it's fascinating. And a thousand podcasts couldn't cover the breakthroughs that are coming down the road. And I mean, the vision that you had very early, and I guess in the 1970s and early 1980s, about the convergence of so much of this stuff. And that's the thing that people don't realize is the convergence of technologies across borders, across divisions, across silos. You know, it's an area and we could talk about that. And perhaps next time, Peter, we can talk about the educational impact because you've had a firsthand ringside seat with two nine-year-olds about what um, education looks like.
1: Yeah, I know. It is changing fast. And you and I have discussed this. My book that I wrote, The Future is Faster Than You Think, it came out in January of 2020. The book talks about between 2020 and 2030, how all the industries will change. Little did I know that when the pandemic hit, the book would jump forward five years, literally overnight. But the two industries I talk about that's going to be the most hard hit, the most transformed, that are ripe for reinvention are healthcare and education. So I agree with you. Let's tackle education next, for sure. We're both educators. That's what we love to do. Mm-hmm. And I love my time with you, Bao. Take care, Dan.
0: Thank you, Peter.